You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. The Colts aren't playing. (laughs) I think we have to have a a pony in the race for us to really get excited about Super Bowl Sunday. But uh, I know a lot of us cheer against certain teams. But uh, I want to encourage you to be for something. Let's be known as people that are for, not against. Oh, Jesus, do that deep work in our hearts. Indeed. So welcome to the Vineyard. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at a couple passages of Scripture today, but Acts 14 is where we're going to pick up in our study. But this is entitled Iconium. It's a, it's a city where the people were divided. They were divided against the gospel. And uh, I was just looking at it, I was just thinking of division. All the different places in which division, you know. Jesus spoke and he, he, he talked about how the kingdom of God, when it came, it would split a family. You know, the, the children against the parents, the parents, the father, the kids. And it was going through all the different kind of divisions that the kingdom message would bring. And I find that true. I find that true. It's, it's, it's been such that I've seen when you really start to focus on the kingdom and start preaching and proclaiming the kingdom of God, it will do one of two things. It will divide people. People that want to just be religious and comfortable, they will start drifting away from, from the church and from, from the body of Christ because they don't like the way the kingdom just is all-consuming. And it's like, ah, I want to keep kind of some kind of control of my life, keep it somewhat palatable so I don't look like a fanatic. I, I want to look well and balanced and, you know, American, educated, you know, middle class. I don't, I don't want to look one way or the other. And so we find that the gospel doesn't give us that opportunity. The gospel message of the kingdom does one or two things. It shifts it to the right or to the left. That's why when Jesus was talking, he was just saying there's the sheep and there's the goats. He didn't say that there was the in-between. There was only two groups of people. And it kind of gets disturbing when you see when when the gospel presentation, when when Jesus is speaking and recording, how sometimes he, he even defines it even more clearly. You know, when he, when he says such statements like, <clears throat> there will be those that will say, Lord, Lord, have we not done many miracles? Haven't we cast out demons? Haven't we done all of this for you? And he says, depart. I don't know you. And it's like, whoa. And the poor virgins that the five that didn't have enough oil. You know, it it doesn't say a whole lot about what's going on, but we understand that the way we would grade on a curve would just say, well, yeah, I think you're in because you're you're a little bit more than this, this group. So, yeah, you're in. But there seems to be just a clear line of demarcation. And it's those that know me and those that don't know me. Hmm. This is eternal life that you may know the Son. By knowing the Son 
is how we, we receive eternal life. It's not so much just saying a, a, a prayer. We can get a parrot to recite a prayer. It's, it's about the reality of do we know him? Uh, Friday night uh, was at I Hope, and Marvin Adams was, was teaching, and it was just really, really good. When he, he, he was talking about the priest, the priesthood and us being priests, but it coming out of sonship, we're, we're first sons, and then, we, then we're priests. <clears throat> and, and he went to uh, that incredible angelic proclamation of Gabriel, where Gabriel identifies himself, and he says, I am Gabriel who stands before the Lord God Almighty. And I was like, whoa. The difference between those who know God and those who know about God are where do you stand? Do you stand before God? Are you saying, well, I haven't been to heaven and, and Gabriel wasn't standing right next to me or anything like that. But it, 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 it brings across the emphasis of being a, being a person that intentionally comes before the Lord to just present yourself before him. We don't try to earn our way by our service. We don't try to earn our way by how much Bible knowledge we have. We don't try to, we, we, we get before him and that's how we know we know because we stand before the Lord. I think he wants us to stand before him more than he wants us to do all the stuff that we think he wants us to do. And somehow, when we stand before him, it gives us the real sense of why we do what we do, because it's in front of him that he reveals what he wants us to do. He reveals himself, and as he reveals himself, we know what to do. So we go, we go from there. Oh, I'm, I'm so blessed. It's just going... Yeah. Pray for me. I could go for days today, I think, but I want to honor the time slots. <clears throat> so Jesus spoke about the vision, and, and we get it here. You know, and I was thinking of James in, in James where he's talking about, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Anybody got trials going on? Any? Okay. Oh, count it all joy. Tell, tell your neighbor, count it joy. I'll count it all joy. <clears throat> because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, it proves the genuineness of your faith. When you come across the trial, that's when your faith really starts to make traction. <laughs> <clears throat> perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, not lacking anything. So kind of look at your spouse, look at your friend, your neighbor. Do they look like they're completely mature, not lacking anything? <laughs> Let them know trials are coming. <laughs> Let them know. Just, just, just let them know. I don't think you're there yet. I think there's a few more trials coming your way. If anyone of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He 
He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. Here's that, that division, that, that internal division even within our, within our faith. When we have those areas where doubt comes in, and we, we, we believe, but it's helped thou my unbelief. It's, it's that, that tension, and it's like, oh. <clears throat> As you know, I'm 64 now. I feel like a babe in Jesus. I feel like we're just, we're just getting started. This is just going to be so good, so good. I've, I've tried every which way I could think to try to preach and teach to congregations to, to get them to understand how much God loves them and how wonderful they are and all this. And, it, you know, a lot of times when you're sharing good news, by the time it gets through the human filters in the mind, sometimes it comes out bad news. And it's like, oh, Jesus, you know, I'm always looking for a way that, you know, your kingdom reality can get imparted to the body of Christ in a way that they see it the way it is. And I realize that, you know, some of you are old. You've, you've got years and years and years and years and years of believing certain things are true about you, certain things are true about God, certain things are true about planet Earth, You've got so much kind of ingrained inside you that it's like, we just know that this is as good as it gets. Well, we might be able to bump it up just a little. But the odds are, <laughs> it'll probably bump down before it bumps up. And <clears throat> I'm just saying, Lord, how, how are we ever going to be able to understand how much you love us and who we are and how you see us if if you don't take us someplace to where we can see it, if you, if you don't give us a, a, a divine moment to where all of a sudden everything that for years that have hindered and restricted and defined us, we have a moment, a grace moment, when we see things as they truly are. And my best thoughts on this is what I think he's trying to do with me. I just get, give you a little hint. You might want to try it for yourself. I have been defined by what I believe is true about me. I've got a lot of forces, a lot of influences that are coming in from the left and the right, some from the world, some from relatives, some from family, uh, some from my, my church life, my theological training, my study of the scriptures, and a lot from the kingdom of darkness that knows how to just take things and twist them so that you don't get the full revelation of the goodness of God and how much he loves. And so it always comes with a little conditional attachment of performance or, or right thinking or right believing. It, it, he always kind of messes with it one way or the other. So I said, Lord, your word tells me that you had me in your heart before you created the earth. Before the heavens and the earth were created, we were in the heart of the Father. And it's like, oh. You know, Lord, if, if you could just take me back before creation, 
it would be really cool if I could see who I was in your heart before you even created the earth, let alone before, you know, the egg and the, uh, and the seed and the fertilization of, of all my genetic chromosomes and everything. Could you, could you just give me a glimpse of that? I just want to see. Lord, I, I want to go back. And you know, there are so many crazy movies out there now. Uh, there's one movie where uh, it's mind exploding and, and all this kind of stuff, and they go all the way back. And, and you watch as, as Hollywood tries to depict what does it look like if you could just reverse the planet and take it all the way back before it came to be and all this. And, there's a, and I look at that, and I just say, Lord, yeah, take me back to where it was just you and we were in your heart before you created the heavens and the earth because of your great love for us. You know, show, show. And here's what I think he, what I think I'm hearing from the Lord. He says, you can get there by getting a fresh revelation of the blood of Jesus. He woke me up last night and said, I want to give you a fresh revelation of the blood of Jesus, the blood of his one and only. See, we know that we're living on this side of the fall, Adam and Eve in the garden, and we see the destruction and all the stuff that happens as a result of the fall that, that comes, and we don't even have a clue how much of that, even after we come to salvation, still lingers and tries to influence and tries to define us. We can't be defined by the fall. Yet a lot of times when we want to preach evangelistically, we want to make sure everybody knows they're a dirty, rotten sinner. We really want to let them know that they need a Savior. And this is true. But the greater revelation is the revelation of the blood of Jesus. And most of us have a revelation of the blood of Jesus that it just gets us out of hell. It's just enough that, that it takes and counteracts what happened as a result of sin in the fall, and it gets us to a place where we can now go to heaven. There is so much more to the blood of Jesus. There is so much more to the blood of Jesus than just getting us out of hell. Well, it does that, and that would be wonderful if that was all it did. But when it gets applied to every area of our life and our heart, there is freedom, there is liberty, there's, there's, there's an opportunity to come before the Father and to stand before him and listen to him. We have access to his presence by the very blood of the Lamb. So the enemy can't use the argument well, you know what you did last night? How can you come into the presence of the Lord? You know how you spoke to your spouse. You can't do that and, and come before God. And, and he throws all those things. But we forget what the blood of the Lamb has done. It has given us absolute, unhindered, direct access before him. And when we're before him, we see him. And as we see him, we're transformed. Because when we see him, we'll be like him. 
And a lot of times we take that verse and we think it's an eschatological verse. It's, a, it's an end time verse. It's a, it's a verse when the second coming or when we die and we stand before him. No, I think that's a verse for today. Inasmuch as we see him, we are transformed and we become like him. Now there's been heresies throughout Christendom and we got the manifest sons of God who went around and thought they were Jesus's, little Jesus's and all this kind of stuff. You know, I think they probably might have had something. I think we got so afraid of really believing that when we see him, we'll be like him, that the enemy brought in that, that heresy to just tweak it a little so we wouldn't, we, we wouldn't continue to pursue the fullness of sonship, the fullness of beholding him and seeing him as he truly is. Hmm. You look at every wonderful truth that has been in our generation and how the enemies tried to distort it and twist it and make something good and wonderful into something that we would reject. It's the same technique that they used at Iconium. When Paul and Barnabas went to Iconium, we probably ought to get into the message today. Uh, when Paul and Barnabas get to Iconium, the first thing they do is they go into the synagogue. Let's, let's let the scripture speak for itself. Verse 1. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas went, as usual, into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Gentiles believed. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there. Hmm. Considerable time there. Just because there was opposition didn't mean that they ran. Spent considerable time there, speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of his grace by enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders. Anytime you see the word enable, you know that they're talking about the Holy Spirit. One of my early theological classes, we were trying to figure out who the Holy Spirit was. And it's like, he is the divine enabler. He enables. When he's present, we can do things that we can't do if he's not. Enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders. The people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. There was a plot afoot among the Gentiles and Jews together with their leaders to mistreat and stone them. But they found out about it and fled to the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derbe and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the good news. So Lord, just ask that you would help the scriptures come alive and, and that you would take all the things that you're, that you're releasing into our, our presence, the things that we're hearing, the things that we're seeing, the things that our heart and our spirit are testifying to. Let it come and be a reality for your sake. Amen. So the first place they go to proclaim good news is the synagogue. They go straight to the synagogue. They do what they do. It's, it, they, they share an encouraging word, 
many people believe they're, they're coming. They're, there's really a, a response to the gospel. And uh, there's a great number of Jews and Gentiles who believe. So we got both. We see that both are working now. Even the God-fearing Gentiles who, who are seeking God, they're at the synagogue. And they hear. They hear this incredible message. And then there's the resistant Jews who refuse to believe. They stir up the Gentiles. They poison their minds against the brothers. Has your mind ever been poisoned against something? And did you ever find out that the one who poisoned it was the one who wasn't wasn't really representing the Lord? And we believed the lie, and as a result, we, we, we wrote people off. We didn't give them place to speak. We discounted their ministry, their message. Oh, Jesus, have mercy on us. May we not <laughs> dismiss. May we not receive those that would love to poison minds. People that poison minds use scripture, folks. That's the only way they can really poison minds in, in the local church, in the body of Christ, is by taking Scripture and twisting it and making it something other than what the Father intended it to be. So Paul and Barnabas spent more time there. I love that. They stayed there. They didn't leave. They stayed. They understood that even though that there was now this division in the city, that they needed to stay and continue to work with, with the new believers and help establish them. So they spoke boldly, and they confirmed the message of his grace with miraculous signs and wonders. I love that. That's my, we're, we're hitting right in my wheelhouse. I, I love this part. This is good. Miraculous signs and wonders. What did it look like? Well, we got a, we got a couple testimonies that we want to play for you this morning. Come on, Jesus. <laughs> the kingdom. The message of his grace confirmed with miraculous signs and wonders still happens today. Still happens today. Hmm. Let's just take a moment right now and just wait on the Lord. Susie will forget the last couple slides. Just go to slide, last slide 15. And let's just ask the Lord, what miracle is it that he wants to do? What miracle is it that we want him to do today for us? Now, in no way am I saying that we're the ringmaster and we're going to make Jesus jump through hoops but he's the ringmaster that's been dying literally he's died so that we could be free of the things that are impeding us whether they're mental physical, emotional relational, spiritual whatever it is huh and they continued to preach the message of his grace. 
And so, Lord, I just proclaim the message of your grace that you have received all authority in heaven and on earth, that you have absolute, complete power, that you are good, genuine good, through and through, pure goodness, pure righteousness, pure love, pure mercy, and that you've called us your children. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and release a grace, a grace that we could agree with you and not agree with what we think is true about us and not what we think is true from our frame of reference. But I pray, Lord, that you would take us to your frame of reference and that you would show us and reveal to us how to appropriate the things that you have for us today, the things that you want to do. Some of these things you've been longing to do for a long, long time. But somehow we've always been able to muster up enough reason why it, it isn't for us today. And Lord, I just say today is the good day. Today is the day of salvation. Salvation in the whole sense of sozo, the wholeness that you want for humanity. Today is the day of wholeness. And so come and touch us at our point of need. Come and do for us what we can't do for ourselves. Let today be a day in which grace is released without measure. And that we get beyond all the things that constricts us and causes us not to be able to receive. I say let today be a day of receptivity. Receiving the blood of Jesus over every area, Lord, that we need a miracle. Every area where we are stuck, every area where life is hindered. We say let the blood of Jesus be applied to those areas and let the Lordship of Jesus Christ be proclaimed over every aspect of our being. Let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven.
If you're receiving any words of knowledge, feel free to share those. One of the things that I'm sensing is that the Lord is, is taking us all the way back to uh, celebrating us as, as infants. And when you were born, there may not have been a lot of celebration. You, you may have been born and there wasn't, uh, there wasn't anyone celebrating your birth. I think the Father wants to take all those who were not celebrated when they were born. He wants to take you back to his celebration of when he conceived you in his heart. And he wants you to know how much he has celebrated your birth even before you were born. He celebrated the incredible, awesome being that you are, reflecting his image, masculine or feminine. <clears throat> he celebrates <laughs> your creation, your coming into existence. may not be too long after that that the kingdom of darkness began to tamper with the wonderful work that God has worked when he created you and he started to get us deceived and believing lies and he introduced feelings and emotions and, and uh, punishment and he's used that to, to control us with fear and shame and condemnation. And the Father wants to apply the blood of Jesus to all those lies, to all those emotions, those feelings, to all those decrees that were made out of harshness, out of anger, out of wickedness strategically designed to destroy. And he says, that's why my son died and shed his blood. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that there would be a sprinkling of the blood of Jesus over this congregation, over this local fellowship, over this local region, that all things that are resistant to the revelation of who you are and the goodness of of your truth and love. I pray, let the blood be applied. Let the principalities and powers that have been using distortion and confusion and lies and illnesses and hindrances, sicknesses and diseases, let that power and influence be broken by the blood of the Lamb today over us within us upon us let the fullness of the power of the blood of Jesus be demonstrated that we might proclaim your lordship you Jesus Christ came 
took on the form of a man, was born and lived and dwelt among us, lived and taught and demonstrated the full effect and proclaimed the kingdom, revealed the Father to us and destroyed the works of the evil one. We declare you who suffered and died and were raised on the third day, who for 40 days taught of the kingdom to your disciples and then ascended to your place at the right hand of the Father. We declare that you are Lord. You are Lord over our lives, over our fellowship, over this church. Jesus Christ is Lord. We command physical bodies to come into alignment with the Lordship of Jesus. For organs to function the way they were created to function. We say, in Jesus' name, let every dysfunctioning organ within our bodies come into full submission to the Lordship of Jesus and begin to function as the Lord Jesus created us to function. We say, in the name of Jesus, let every evil spirit, everything unclean and wicked that would try to influence, attach, lie around and wait for opportunities. We say, Lord, let there be a full and complete deliverance from everything from the kingdom of darkness. The way the kingdom of darkness uses this world, pray, Father, that there would be a release from the pole of the world that there would be a release of all those ways in which it's filtered in into our hearts and has gained access. We take all legal rights and say, let them be canceled. Our, our, our argument in the court is that Jesus's blood covers. Jesus's blood covers. And the Lord Jesus is our defense attorney. And I say every legal argument that the evil one has against us in the court of accusation, let them all be rendered judgment today by the blood of the Lamb. And Father, let there be papers that are needed for those that would come back and try to harm us again. May we have the complete uh, uh, documents, official documents of absolute eviction of every unclean spirit in Jesus' name. And then we say, Lord, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We forgive everyone who has harmed, everyone who has sinned, everyone who has wanted evil to happen to us, everyone that partnered with wickedness to see the demise of your children. Lord, because the blood of Jesus has covered us, is alive in us, we forgive as he forgave. 
even those that don't even know what they're doing, we forgive in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.